It's the 11th of December 1995. WCW Nitro and WWF Raw are on TV this Monday night. Nitro is live from Charlotte, North Carolina, while Raw is presenting a one-off tape show from Salisbury, Maryland. Let's watch both Raw and Nitro and see which show I thought was the best. Over on Raw, the show starts with some hype videos. We're going to see Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund in the main event, and we're going to hear from Shawn Michaels for the first time since his collapse a few weeks ago. Over on Nitro, the commentary team build up tonight's main event. Hogan and Sting are going to team up against Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. The bell rings on Nitro, and we have a match straight away. No entrances and no ring announcements. Eddie Guerrero is taking on JL, while Raw will present Owen Hart versus a young Jeff Hardy. Let's go with Nitro. Things start off pretty fast here as Eddie Guerrero goes to work. Guerrero is still my WCW MVP for reliving the war so far. He's been exceptionally good in every match he's been in since I started this video series. We're still a few months away from the proper introduction of the Cruiserweight title and the Cruiserweight division, and matches like this on Nitro served as a preview of what was to come. Eddie leads the way for most of this match. JL is able to slow Eddie down with a series of arm drags and a head scissors, but Eddie Eddie answers with a really nice and unique top rope arm drag. JL takes control briefly with a dropkick that knocks Eddie out of the ring, followed by a neighboring somersault senton. JL delivers a suplex in the ring. Eddie gets whipped to the corner. Guerrero reverses a sunset flip, and we have our winner. Eddie Guerrero picks up the victory at around four and a half minutes. Eddie goes to the camera and he says that WCW is the best wrestling on TV. We'll be the judge of that. Flipping over to Raw, we have quite an interesting match as the future brother Nero takes on the King of Hearts, Owen Hart. All we can really Really hope for here is some surprises. Jeff was booked as a job guy during this time period, so let's hope Owen gives him a few chances here. Things start off quite predictably with Owen laying in the offense, but Jeff is able to get a leapfrog and hip toss combination in, so good start here. We see Diesel watching the match backstage. Remember, In Your House 5 is this Sunday and Diesel will face Owen Hart at the pay-per-view. Owen's sister Diana is also watching the match from the audience. Her husband Davy Boy Smith will face Bret Hart for the WWF title, also at In Your House. Owen is firmly in control. Jeff tries to fight back, but Owen answers with a high-impact clothesline. The King of Hearts then delivers a missile dropkick. Owen looks like he's going to lock in the sharpshooter, but he instead pins Jeff for the decisive win. After the bell, Owen continues beating up Jeff, inviting Yokozuna into the ring to perform a banzai drop. Big Daddy Cool Diesel hits the ring, taking out Yokozuna with a big boot as the audience goes nuts. Two good openers here, but it's a point for Nitro. Owen vs Jeff was a little predictable, and while the Diesel run-in genuinely got the audience excited, Eddie and JL just had a better overall wrestling match. This week's episodes of Raw and Nitro are a bit messy. We'll be comparing a few promos to a few matches, unfortunately, but that's just the way it goes. Lex Luger and Jimmy Hart are going to address Randy Savage on Nitro while Raw presents a match, Aja Kong vs Shabarita Asari. I wasn't expecting much of this Raw match at all. I went in with low expectations, but Asari surprised me with these backflips before Aja Kong surprised me again with her vicious and impactful offense. It's funny how we didn't see Alundra Blaze taking this type of punishment 
Frenchman from Aja Kong, but anyway, I got curious here and I looked up Asari as I only know her from her brief WWF appearances, and she's been credited as the inventor of the Sky Twister Press, maybe more commonly known today as the Spiral Top that AJ Styles used before WWE and now a regular move performed by Tyler Bate. While Aja Kong's hard-hitting offense is impressive, it's a shame she doesn't really sell anything here at all. Aja delivers a vertical suplex followed by a package piledriver. Both times Kong goes for the pin and both times she lifts Asari's shoulders from the mat. She's now toying around with her opponent. The third time Aja Kong does this, the audience can be heard groaning. Asari tries to fight back, but Kong simply won't sell anything. Kong misses a top rope splash that gives Asari a chance to hit the Sky Twister press, but Kong moves out of the way. A huge spinning back fist knocks Asari out. One, two, three, and it's over. This one surprised me. It wasn't all that bad, but Kong's lack of selling did hurt things here. I know she was booked as a monster heel, I know she was supposed to be hard to beat, but still, a few bumps here and there would have helped this match a lot. Over on Nitro, Jimmy Hart and Lex Luger get interviewed by Mean Gene Ogerland. Hart and Luger point out that the total package has Randy Savage's number and Lex Luger is the uncrowned world champion of WCW. Luger was able to put the torture rack on Savage at Halloween Havoc. Luger could have broke the macho man's arm at World War 3 and just last week on Nitro, Lex had Savage beat before Hulk Hogan pushed the referee. Luger says he will go on to Starcade and he'll defeat Ric Flair and Sting before taking Savage's belt in the main event. Lex predicts that the triangle match will come down to the Stinger and Lex Luger himself. Friends or not, the total package will win. Not a bad promo, but I felt a little more interested in the Raw women's match, so it's a point for the WWF. Nitro was going to present a match, Disco Inferno versus Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, while Todd Pettengill is going to interview Shawn Michaels from HBK's home in San Antonio. Shawn has his shirt buttoned right up to his throat as the Toddster wastes no time in asking the heartbreak kid how he's feeling. Shawn thanks the fans for their support, and then, curiously, Shawn says he's been feeling absolutely fine and he hasn't suffered from any of the side effects that the doctor said he would. Remember, Vince McMahon was gushing last week, about wrestlers not being invincible and here's Sean saying that he feels totally fine. Todd asks Sean when will the heartbreak head come back to the ring. Sean says he would get in the ring right now but the doctors have said no, again making Vince's comments last week null and void. Further seeds are planted for Sean's upcoming title run when Todd says HBK has won the tag titles and the IC title but he's never won the WWF championship. Sean says he still has goals within wrestling and he plans on seeing them through once he returns to the ring. When Todd brings up the possibility of retirement, Sean's mood changes. HBK says he won't dignify Todd's comments with a response while reminding everyone that wrestling is all Sean knows in life. The camera fades to black and uh, this was okay. It was better than last week's HBK health update for sure but it was nothing special. We have an intriguing match here over on Nitro though, young up-and-comer Disco Inferno taking on a true wrestling veteran Paul Orndorff, a man who was trying out a new narcissistic gimmick during this time period. We have a heel versus another heel here and by the time the entrances are over the audience has no idea who to cheer for, resulting in a lot of silence during this match. Disco starts off aggressively, Orndorff is taking a beating and by the time Paul turns things around, he's already sucking wind, he looks very tired only around one minute into the match. 
Orndorff does a little dance here before hitting an elbow drop that felt like an absolute eternity. Orndorff hits a brutal side suplex that folded up Disco's neck. Paul then puts his foot on the second rope to get a pinfall victory. The side suplex looked pretty scary here, and Paul Orndorff would have just one more match against Disco Inferno on Worldwide before taking a four-year break from professional wrestling. Both Raw and Nitro put on pretty brutal segments here, but I'll go with the HBK promo. The Nitro match was absolutely dreadful, and honestly, the wrong guy got the win. A young wrestler was trying to make a name for himself, and having a very tired Mr. Wonderful get the victory made absolutely no sense at all. But a little more on Paul Orndorff later. We have three of the four horsemen coming out for a promo while the WWF gives us Ahmed Johnson versus Rick Stockhauser. During Ahmed's entrance, Dean Douglas appears via split screen promoting the Dean Douglas vs Ahmed Johnson match at In Your House, only this match wouldn't happen of course. We'll cover the In Your House 5 results on next week's episode of Reliving the War. If you think this match on Raw was a total squash match, then you'd be absolutely right. Not only that, but it's a seriously rough squash match. Take a look at this for example. Stockhauser here worked a few job matches in WCW at the beginning of 1995 and as far as I can tell he had three WWF matches, this one here was his last. Ahmed follows up with another spine buster, Pearl River Plunge, it's over in 1 minute and 10 seconds. Absolutely awful and easily one of the very worst matches so far on Reliving the War. Again some genius decided to give Ahmed a little promo time after the match, Jerry Lawler grabs a mic, strap yourselves in folks here we go. Jerry delivers a message to Ahmed from Dean Douglas, saying that Ahmed's toughest four years were in the third grade. Ahmed says that Dean didn't do his homework. If Dean had studied Ahmed Johnson, he wouldn't have signed up to fight him at In Your House. So yeah, maybe Dean did do his homework after all. Ahmed tells Lawler to sit down and bring out Douglas for a fight. The audience doesn't care. Jerry looks relieved to get away from Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed walks away. Totally brutal. That's it over. Over on Nitro, Mean Gene asks Brian Pullman what it's like to be a horseman. Pullman talks about the Horseman Dynasty and how everyone wants to be part of the most elite faction in all of professional wrestling. Things then get a little strange when Pillman begins talking about Hulk Hogan's failed attempt at going to the dark side, the American Males sending Arn Anderson and Ric Flair glossy 8x10s, Mongo McMichael's flexibility, I'm not kidding, Pillman was talking about anything that came to his mind here. This, ladies and gentlemen, was one of the earliest showings of Brian Pillman's loose cannon gimmick. Pillman then rants about Paul Orndorff, saying that Paul wanted to be a horseman but he couldn't cut it, and as Ric Flair begins addressing the fans in Flair country, Mr. Wonderful comes out to confront Brian Pillman. Orndorff says that Pillman does nothing but carry Flair and Anderson's bags, and if that's what being a horseman is all about, then Mr. Wonderful wants nothing to do with it. Pillman slaps Orndorff and a fight breaks out, leading to Paul taking a spike pile driver on the concrete floor. This explained Paul's absence from the ring afterwards. In reality, the entire right side of Paul's body was beginning to shrink and waste away, something he worked with during much of 1995 and this, along with his age, was the reason why he looked so tired in the ring earlier on. Still, no better way to get taken out than by the horseman, the easiest point Nitro will ever get. 
We have a block of interesting WWF commercials up next against Lex Luger vs Jim Duggan and you can imagine my dismay and disappointment when Doc Hendricks began shilling WWF merchandise instead of the legendary Barry Dudinsky. Doc is selling some denim jackets, yeah we've seen these before. After this the WWF airs a holiday commercial that I had completely forgotten about. WWF superstars line up as Santa Claus and the little Bret Hart kid. Yeah, that Bret Hart kid. The kid has to pick out which Santa Claus told him that it's okay to smoke, wrestlers are wimps, and Santa isn't real. The kid picks out Harvey Whippleman and all the other Santas, including Hakushi, Ahmed Johnson, and Razor Ramon, proceed to beat the shit out of Harvey while the cops turn a blind eye. Not gonna lie, this made me laugh. Afterwards, we get a commercial for the special Raw Bowl, the first episode of Raw in 1996. Coach Freddie Blassie is rallying up a team of heels, telling their wrestlers to go out and destroy some pencil-necked geeks. Again, I completely forgot about this, and it was pretty good too. I honestly think these commercials were better than the Ahmed Johnson match. We have Luger vs Jim Duggan on Nitro, not sure what they expect here but let's see what happens. Jim Duggan starts off by attacking Luger before Lex can even get in the ring. Duggan stays in the driver's seat for the opening moments of the match and this makes fans chant for the total package. Duggan performs an arm drag takedown followed by a big clothesline and we see footage of Paul Orndorff getting stretchered away and eventually placed in an ambulance. Luger begins fighting back in the ring but Duggan easily overcomes Lex's offense. Jimmy Hart is forced to to jump on the apron to cause a distraction while holding Duggan's 2x4. Lex takes advantage by hitting Duggan from behind, the torture rack follows, and Duggan submits. It's amazing how Lex Luger went from one of his best Nitro performances last week to, well, to this. Still, Nitro gets to the point here. I mentioned in an earlier episode of Reliving the War that in-ring action and promos would usually beat advertisements and commercials, but Raw nearly got the win here. Their commercials were original, but still, the Nitro match, as bad as it was, was still better. I do, however, regret that rule about giving a point out either way. The good news is we still have tons of time left on both shows so hopefully we get two long main events. Before we get there, Nitro is going to give us a Macho Man Randy Savage promo while Raw brings us a promo featuring Ted DiBiase, Psycho Sid and the 123 Kid. Sid and the Kid will take on Razor Ramon and Marty Jannetty at In Your House and remember there was a little interference last week during Sid's match with Marty Jannetty. Ted DiBiase calls Razor Ramon a greaseball going on to say that Psycho Sid will be there to back up the 123 Kid at In Your House should Razor try to get his hands on his former best friend. Kid says that the fans don't matter anymore, all that matters is winning and getting paid. Kid says that Razor Ramon was the puppet master and Kid was the puppet throughout their entire relationship and Sid says he feels sorry for Marty and Razor at In Your House before laughing like an absolute madman. Promo over, nothing of substance here at all. The WWF had a chance here to do a lot with the 123 Kid I think. They could have dug a little deeper into the falling out between Razor and the Kid but it was extremely generic million dollar corporation stuff here, a wasted opportunity. Still, the build up towards this tag team match at In Your House has had just as much television time as the WWF Championship bout, if not more. Nothing great here, can Randy Savage do any better on Nitro? Let's find out. Mean Gene reminds Savage that he has a championship match at Starcade along with a WCW vs New Japan showdown. Randy Savage will also face Tenzan at the pay-per-view. 
On top of this, Randy Savage will face the Giant next week on Nitro, so the Macho Man's plate was definitely full. Savage says that he'll solve one problem at a time, and his first problem is the Giant next week. Mean Gene reminds Savage that the Giant chokeslammed him on the concrete floor just last week on Nitro. Savage hasn't forgotten, and he's going to bring the explosions next week on TNT. Savage gets booed as the promo ends. I thought this was odd, but remember, Flair and Luger were getting cheered earlier on. We are in Charlotte, North Carolina here, a WCW home away from home, and so it'll be interesting to hear what kind of response Hulk Hogan gets a little later. Point for Nitro, I take a Randy Savage promo over a 1-2-3 kid promo any day. Main event time, Nitro presents Arn Anderson and Ric Flair vs Sting and Hogan, while the WWF presents a non-title match, Bret Hart vs Bob Backlund. Around this time, Bret Hart did not like working against Bob Backlund. While the hitman respected Backlund's work and legacy, Bret also felt that Backlund's work rate was nowhere near where it needed to be around this time period. Bret says he'd have to work twice as hard with Backlund in hopes of getting something above an average match. Just as a quick side note, this was the first time Bob Backlund came to the ring with entrance music. Hilda the Chief plays in the arena as Backlund marches in for his match against the WWF champion. The match starts off with Backlund trying to bring the fight to the mat, but Brett easily overcomes Backlund's offense. Backlund is able to apply a head scissors submission, but Brett gets to his feet, and just then we are taken to Diana Hart, who is being interviewed by Jerry Lawler. Diana says that her husband, Davy Boy Smith, has a real chance at winning the WWF Championship at In Your House, and she says that Jim Cornette has done a great job in getting Davy these recent title matches, something that no one else had done previously for the British Bulldog. It seems that Diana's loyalties will not get split at In Your House. She's firmly in the corner of her husband here. Back in the ring, and it's more holy and locks. Vince McMahon gets word that Davy Boy Smith is watching in the back, so you know what to expect here. Backlund takes a breather on the outside before getting dragged in by the arm. Backlund is able to apply the chicken wing briefly, but Brett makes it to the ropes. Backlund then goes to work on the hitman's arm. Brett has to sell a terrible amount of offense here that really doesn't look all that punishing. Backlund puts on an arm bar that Brett manages to get out of, and things start feeling incredibly dull when Backlund rushes back to place a second arm bar on Brett. The audience aren't making noise here, and you can imagine how many viewers at home were switching over to Nitro. This has been a painfully mediocre main event for WWF Raw. Brett consents it too, and as soon as Brett is put back in the driver's the match ramps up as the hitman makes sure to deliver a more exciting showcase. Brad hits his elbow from the second rope and as the excellence of execution goes to apply the sharpshooter, Davy Boy Smith hits the ring causing a distraction that leads to a cross-faced chicken wing. The referee calls for the bell and the bulldog beats down Brett as the chicken wing is applied. The beating continues right up until Raw goes off the air, a last-ditch effort to sell a pay-per-view that has had practically zero build-up anyway. This Hart vs. Backlund match, though, wasn't good. Backlund struggled to grab the fans' attention when he was on offense. Brett done all he could, but it wasn't enough. And yes, I know any time I criticize anything on this series, I get a herd of fans coming at me with the pitchforks. But to me, Bob Backlund should not have been wrestling Brett Hart at the end of 1995. 
Arn Anderson and Ric Flair come to the ring on Nitro to a huge ovation. Sting too gets a great crowd response, but as predicted, Hulk Hogan is getting booed out of the building. Hogan is annoyed that Sting didn't wait around so the babyfaces could come to the ring together. I mean, who really cares? Sting and Anderson start things off. Arn is able to hit a nice fireman's carry that gets the audience on their feet. Bobby Heenan says Flair and Anderson are a well-oiled machine, while Hogan and Sting can't even trust each other. As Sting mounts a comeback, the audience starts chanting Hogan sucks, Arn wants Sting to tag in the Hulkster, Sting obliges, and Arn tags in the Nature Boy to give the fans a little Hogan versus Flair action. It can't be overstated how much of a negative reaction Hulk Hogan was getting here, and it's damn glorious to see. It's not that I dislike Hogan or anything like that, but the way Hogan and WCW tried to protect Hulkamania during this time period had become so embarrassing and borderline insulting that it's refreshing to see an audience rally behind the WCW old guard and give Hogan a hard time. It just makes for a much more compelling wrestling match. Hogan throws away any opportunity to play up to this negative response by going through the same old Hulk Hogan motions. He's no-selling Flair's chops and punches, and when Flair finds himself on the outside of the ring and Double A gets a huge cheer for snake-attacking Hogan, the Hulkster goes right back to no-selling. No Charlotte audience will stop the immortal Hulk Hogan from running wild tonight, it seems. Hogan does give a little when Flair and Anderson double-team him in the corner, but Hulk is quick to tag out. No build for a hot tag here, folks. Let's see if Sting has to do the work for Hogan to get that hot tag. Sting and Flair excite the audience with a little back and forth. Arn Anderson gets tagged in and Double A takes the Scorpion Deathlock. Hogan accidentally causes a referee distraction that allows Flair and Anderson to get the upper hand. Lex Luger then rushes down to the ring, applying the torture rack on the Hulkster while the referee was again distracted with the action in the ring. And now Sting is left all alone against Flair and Anderson. The horsemen go after Sting's knee. The stinger needs to make a tag, but there's nobody in the corner. Eventually, Hogan pulls himself to the apron, and you can tell this match was laid out to give Hogan the big pop when Sting eventually makes the tag. Sting finds himself in the figure four. He somehow makes it over for a tag while still in Flair's signature finishing hold, but the referee doesn't see the tag, allowing Double A and Ric Flair to deliver even more punishment to the stinger. Sting fights back, taking out Flair and Anderson. The hot tag is made, and there is absolutely no reaction to Hogan getting tagged in. They don't boo, they don't cheer, the audience saw what was coming up, and it feels more like a giant disappointment. Compare the reactions, here's the hot tag again. And here's Arn Anderson following up with his spine buster. Anyway, Hogan just jumps right back up after taking the spine buster. Both Flair and Double A take the big boot. Leg drop to Double A and a stinger splash to Flair. The babyfaces win. Brian Pillman hits the ring, launching an attack on Hogan and Sting. Lex Luger runs down to pull Pillman away from Sting, but the total package allows the Horseman to continue attacking Hogan. Randy Savage runs down and Sting ends up punching him in the mouth as Pillman, Anderson and Flair leave the ring. Main Jean tries to get a word with the babyfaces. Sting says that Hogan punched him last week, but he forgave the Hulkster, and Sting hopes Savage can forgive Sting. He didn't know it was the Macho Man, he was just throwing punches and Savage took one for the team. Savage seems calm enough, and when he shakes hands with the Stinger, the audience again boos. These fans did not like these WWF types showing up on their wrestling shows. 
All seems resolved at the end of the segment. The show ends with Bischoff again trying to discuss the relationships between Hogan, Savage, Luger and Sting. Bischoff reminds fans that Flair and Hogan are on probation from two weeks ago. But didn't Hogan completely ruin a WCW title match last week? And didn't Flair help put Paul Orndorff on a stretcher on this very episode of Nitro? I don't know. Crazy times for WCW. It's a point for Nitro, by the way. That Nitro main event blew the WWF out of the water. So Eddie Guerrero done what he does best and he scored the first point for Monday Night Raw. Aja Kong and Chaparita Asari got the next point for Monday Night Raw, a surprisingly entertaining match here from the WWF. HBK's interview with Todd Pettengill scored another point for Raw, while the Horseman segment with Paul Orndorff got the next point, thanks to Ahmed Johnson and Rick Stockhauser completely stinking up the joint. Luger and Jim Duggan's match somehow got another point for Nitro. The Macho Man Randy Savage's promo was better than the Million Dollar Corporation's mic work on Raw. And finally, Nitro's main event destroyed the WWF's. Nitro easily wins this week's episode of Reliving the War, meaning our overall scores are now 5 points to Monday Night Raw, Nitro is in the lead with 7 points, and we have had 3 ties. Nitro narrowly beat Raw in the TV ratings this week, scoring a 2.6 against Raw's 2.5. Thanks for watching Reliving the War, and I hope you come back next week to see the fallout from In Your House 5 and more build up towards WCW's Starcade show. A big thank you to my supporters on Patreon for helping me out, helping me secure the future of not only Reliving the War, but the Wrestling Bios channel itself. This week's Hall of Famers are New Booger, who streams D&D over on his Twitch channel on Tuesdays and plays a variety of other games during the week. You can find him at twitch.tv forward slash New Booger. And Mr. Moneyman Yorn. When Yorn isn't watching Wrestling Bios, he's watching the Fun with Guru channel here on YouTube. Check it out if you're into video game easter eggs and secrets. Thanks to these guys and thanks to all my supporters on Patreon. Your help is deeply appreciated.